Welcome back to Anonymous Heroes. This next show, this next episode is very special to me. Um, I got the chance to spend time with a young man that uh, we've lost touch a little over the last year or so. But I know him since he's a little kid and and he's always got a special place in my heart. And particularly his struggles, the fact that he's continuing to struggle uh, made this more special because I think it's a great lesson for us all that's really not about where you get to. It's that you continue to struggle and strive and try despite how long it's taking and all the setbacks that you may face. And particularly this young man who, um, as you're going to hear, is coming fresh off the loss of his, his wonderful mother, who I knew as well. So it was, it was very raw and very special, and I think, uh, I think you're really going to learn a lot. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Anonymous Heroes, a reminder that everyone struggles and you don't have to feel alone in yours. Okay, well, let's get started. So I'll, I'll give you the quick background here. Um, well, not the background, but the, the process. Processes, wherever you're comfortable with. So it's Anonymous Heroes, but if you... Um, that's really made... It is made to help protect those that come on the show. I, it's weird for me to call it a show because these are conversations with mostly people that I know and love. Um, but there are going to be people that I don't know that are going to come, uh, God willing. And um, uh, the goal is to... One of the main goals is to just allow people to realize that everybody struggles. That they shouldn't feel alone. Their struggles might be different... But mm-hmm. over the course of a lot of shows, there'll be somebody who has something similar to what they're going through. Um, and um, the anonymity helps it not be just that one person. This is anybody. Anybody could be going through this. And the reality is that everybody is going through something. And it's not God picking on you. It's not God picking it. It's par for the course. It's called the exile. Mm-hmm. It's called, um, you know, Hashem showing us He loves us in difficult ways sometimes. But uh, nevertheless, it is, it's no different than a parent backing up from a child to help that child walk and saying, come here, come here. And perhaps maybe never picking that child up, but keep saying, come here, come here, without giving the obvious hug. But that's a, that's a type of hug also. So um, um, I happen to know the person I'm sitting across from right now, and uh, I don't think you care for the anonymity. No. Um, so, I'm an open book. <laughs> right. So we're still not going to say the name, but you could say as many or as li- as, as little details as possible in terms of putting yourself out there. But like, <laughs> I feel silly saying it to you because I know that you don't care. But there are many people that that do care and that are not going to. So I offer that to everybody. So um, I guess let's start with. Uh, so I, I know you for I don't know since you're a little little kid. Um, so this is, I guess little different for me because the other people I've had on so far I didn't know them that long um, and just to give some background for for our audience this is a young man <laughs> I used to drive to school sometimes and convince him that that the the <laughs> the button the button on the emergency brake was for was a seat ejector yeah. <laughs> and he was always and if he wasn't going to behave I would just eject him out of it and that actually kept him in line it worked so uh, despite that, he is a bright young man. <laughs> um, why, don't, why don't we start with, uh, what's your earliest memory as a child? Earliest memory as a child, wow. Yeah. 
I was thinking about the day. I'm like, what, what would be my first question? And then I was thinking, can I conjure that up? Can Kindergarten. Kindergarten, yeah. yeah. Kindergarten, what happened? I threw up. Grape juice, I had grape juice in the morning. And we had a play in Halp, one of those, you know, sing out loud plays with Mara, Tila, and she like makes Yeah. You stand up. Um, and I threw up grape juice on myself. It was all purple, next to like a Dina Snow. Um, and uh, I just remember my mother came with a change of clothing, and they're like, "What did you have for breakfast?" I'm like, "Grape juice." And that was that. That's that's, that's weird. That's my earliest memory. And is that a positive one because of your mom, or a negative one because of the throw up? Definitely more of a shameful memory. I think those kind of will sting and. I have more found memories of those than recollections of that was an amazing time unless someone really brings it up. Right. But I think that falls in line with you and the things that you've dealt with where you know, I met somebody recently, a woman came to talk to me and long story short, she was like, everything's horrible in my life. I said, really? Can we talk about it? And it comes out she has a supportive husband, comes out she has three children, beautiful, healthy, but she was abused at 18 years old, uh, horribly so, by, by uh, a very um, religious, quote-unquote, man. And um, I told her that, <clears throat> you know, like when you used to use those oxy pads and, and your skin would feel wide open because your pores were open? Oh, yeah. So she, she has, like, like, pain receptors that are wide open, and her pleasure receptors are tightly shut. And so that any little wind of pain, it feels like it's a massive thing coming. Mm -hmm. And pleasure, she has to, she's got to like stick a knife in that pore and dig out anything to allow it to allow the feeling. And based on many, many of our conversations, uh, I feel that's a lot of... Uh, yeah, 100%. It's because, not because, the reason is I try not to do this anymore, but it's tough to think out the bad that's going to happen. So when it hits... I don't feel as much pain. So I go to worst case, I play up scenarios before I do things so. Which is the opposite of like, to be successful in this world, you gotta take risks and you gotta, you know, you live once, roll the dice, with business or whatever it is, or being vulnerable, being open. But it's, I like to be comfortable. I don't wanna feel pain, new feelings. So I play these bad scenarios out. So if it happens, it doesn't feel that bad. And the worst thing is when it happens, and I already played it out, it's horrible. So it's still horrible. So it's not, it's not no, even working. No, when they both connect, like I play such a far-fetched scenario that yeah. something like less than that happens, I'm okay with. But when that exact scenario happens, like once in a really blue moon, that's when you get very low. That's when I got very, I get very low. But yeah. So when, when did you? So you you grew up uh, well. Tell, tell everybody how you grew up a little bit about your family and your grew background and your schooling and modern orthodox in Woodmere on a street very close to you <laughs> maybe across the street um and my family was uh the very uh learned my dad's very learned my brother's very learned my uncle's very learned but more intellectual learned bringing it up as opposed to spiritual um, Hasidist type of learning so it's very um, if you don't do it this way you're just stupid type of stuff um, wrong there's wrong and right there's no like 
now they have a good idea, this is nice. And, I don't know, I was, I was just average kid, I don't know, there was nothing, there was no planning, there was no ideals, I just did my thing. And then it's, I don't know, seventh grade is my first real memory of something like traumatic happening, because I realized that later on in life, as I told you before, I, I'd been to EMDR therapy, because I wanted to fix my relationship in Judaism with God, and try to better that, so... Oh, just for people's edification, yeah. EMDR is? It's a therapy for trauma. I didn't have some big, crazy trauma. I had little mini traumas that added up and prevented me from taking steps in my life that I wanted to take because I didn't want to feel pain or feel the feelings or I didn't want to handle them. So I wouldn't like do the things that I wanted to do because I was afraid of feeling that feeling that I have. The rejection the of the... Yeah. Hurt, rejection, not good enough. Do you think you were... Like you said, like you were... I mean, we'll talk later about, you know, what happened later in your family and your father yeah, and your sure. mother, but as a young kid, right, the family was normal. It was a happy Quote, unquote, right? Everything was good. So the fact that, that these quote-unquote smaller things as the one I know what you're about to describe yeah were like throwing you off were you predisposed were, were, were you a nurture or a nature in terms of kind of being very affected by by grape juice grape juice throw up or by what you're about to describe like I never thought of it like that until I realized later and I could see it in my face after that period of time that my face changed in pictures. I got smiles on my face. It was just like a, up till that seventh grade moment, you could see every picture after that that I've taken, the smile was gone. Really? Yeah. My therapist made me go look at the pictures and I was like, to make me believe what I said that that came out and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, go look at the pictures after wow. that moment. And I was like, she has something there, you know. But, but that mo- let's talk about the moment, then we'll talk about. Yeah. Describe it. Describe. So it. EMDR is EMDR. One second. EMDR is just so people know it's 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 done through light. Um, you know. Uh, Sounds or eye movements that really put you not sort of like open up the left side of your brain. That's right. that has that stores things that you don't know that are there. It's like being unconsciously conscious of things that are stored in your brain that you haven't let out or you don't even know that they're there but they're preventing you from you know feeling and so, moving on so like just I'm so trying to explain it in a better it, way it's hard would you say it's I mean this is how I would describe it um, they take you back it, to your childhood right, right. that's what and it is. your childhood that was affecting you but you didn't realize it you thought you were operating on one system and there was a subsystem that was affecting how the operating system was going so like somebody who's like, oh, I always feel pain in my shoulder, and they realize, and then they go to the doctor, and after an MRI, they're like, by the way, it wasn't just, was because you were throwing wrong or doing something wrong, there's like a cancer in your bones or whatever, and so th- there was something cancerous that happened when you were younger. Right, there's that, an association that I link up between a memory and what I've been doing, like when my mom passed, we'll get there, Yeah, I had a hard time going to work, because I found out when she passed, and I was at work, so that was the association, every time I went to work, I would break down for the first two weeks and just bolt my eyes out. I'm like what's wrong with me when I go home I'm fine but when I'm here I break down wow spoke to my mom I was like well clearly there's an association when you go to work what happened I was like I found out she's passing away when I was at work right 
And it's the same job, right? That's the job that you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah, someone... Uh, just so you... I mean, I think you do it... Um, more overtly, more openly, more strongly than others. Your your connection, how you... Your internal connection to these things. But I'll tell you, there's a great person who I know, and I'm, I won't name who he is. A great, great, great person. Um who started having crazy shoulder pains. And and he knew it was psychosomatic because it started it moved to the other shoulder. Like he went to the doctor and it just moved to the other shoulder. And then his wife told him, like they were in a, a certain place, a country, wherever it was for a little bit. And she's like, well, what about this place doing? And he remembered, he was a kid, his father just like 12 or 13 years old was like, by the way, we're moving there. And picked him up away from his friends, his father was an old school European. I was just like, no, we're going. And it wasn't like, how do you feel about this? You know, this wasn't 2021. This wasn't some American father. It was like, we're picking up and going and we're going to, and you know, say goodbye to all your friends. We're leaving <laughs> like tomorrow. And he said, and being there, even though he loved his father and he had a great relationship, whatever, he started feeling all these stresses that were, that mm-hmm. were being um, triggered just by being in a place that he loved. The place, you know, it, it was... Okay, it was Israel, obviously, but uh, no, it makes for, to me it makes complete sense. There's that the part of you that has not processed that pain that you went through because you were alone in the situation, right? And you're dealing with it alone, so that's the whole thing with the MDR, and they bring you back to that moment and make you acknowledge yourself and talk to yourself. And so then, once you acknowledge it, you can then say that was that moment in life. It doesn't necessarily mean that it that it it. it it carries over or has to have ramifications for for the rest of my life. It was that thing, those people, that situation. And once you can identify it, then you can disconnect from it. It's intense. I mean, they made me... I looked at a picture of myself from when I was younger. Yeah. And I had to, like, stare at him, and they brought me back there. And then I had to... It's more of a nurturing exercise. I mean, go back, talk to myself as a kid, and tell myself it's okay. But it's not your fault. You know, your parents love you. Wow. They weren't around. And that's okay. I get, like, welded up when I talk about this because it's, it's so intense. Um, I was going to ask, what was... Uh, l- let's let's first say, yeah. what what happened? And then I want to know right. what what happened when you went back to it, how that... what okay. that was like. So in seventh grade, it was Bar Mitzvah year, and a lot of... I'm still friends. I'm always a friendly guy. And... So going to bar mitzvah in one of these hotels in New Jersey, I think Armada, and it was a stayover bar mitzvah, and there was also a stayover for Saturday night for a limited amount of people. So I got invited to stay over the Saturday night, and that Saturday night I'm sitting there after Shabbos on the side, and they did a malava malka, and my my uncle was there playing, and he just left. He asked me if I want to ride home, even though I'm like I'm staying overnight. I got invited. And all my friends were sitting around. And one of my friends on the right he said, said out loud, someone here wasn't invited. And it was like, who, who, who? And then the person, I don't know if it was him, I heard about, it was me. Someone said, you were invited. And I was. I wish I could prove it. <laughs> but I, it wasn't, they said you were invited. And this was a friend of yours at the time? A guy in the, in yes. the class. Was, yes, yeah. a guy I went to for Shabbos, for, for Shabbos and, and so forth. You yeah. remember who it is? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know because I know the guy who was on the right of me that said that to me. Someone here wasn't right. I remember every detail. I remember my uncle leaving vivid, like vividly. Wow. Yeah. And I don't remember much. I was gonna say I don't think I could pull up memories from seventh grade unless I didn't know it till she brought me back. Honestly. Right. Okay. So he said someone's not invited, and then and then someone else pointed and says it was you. Right. And at that moment, I felt crushed like a bug. Um, that was amazing. <laughs> For those not here, Danielson, he just caught a bug that was flying through the room in his hand, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what, where it is. To be honest, I'm just picking up nothing and pretending I'm throwing it out. No, that I, it was just on me, and I just got it. Okay, okay. that was amazing. Um, so yeah, and what preceded that moment in my life, and what I realized is, I was afraid to knock on friends' doors. I was afraid to ask for things when I was at people's houses. Or you want something to eat? You're hungry. I shut down because I was scared to open up again to people because I didn't want to feel hurt. Because you were the uninvited kid. Exactly. And moments preceding my life, I always, even in high school, I always ran with people that would make plans and, you know, tagged along. And they loved having me. Of course, I'm, you know, not an ego thing. I think I fit in a lot of boxes. I'm very easy to be around. But... I was just always scared of getting too close with people and feeling pain and feeling hurt because of that moment. Unbelievable. And, and what's crazy is you were actually invited. Yes. Did the kids like all get riled up? Like, like, do you remember, were you crying then? Were you... I was tearing for sure. And then and then I was okay after because I was, I was like, I should have just left my uncle the whole time. That's, that was like a safety blanket that was stripped away. And then... I don't know, somehow I just, I dealt with it, that pushed it back. I think that's probably where I learned how to do that. And just shoved it all down. Did you ever tell this kid? Never. I wouldn't tell him. Because he was a kid. Like, what's his... Exactly. I don't know what his reasoning, I'm sure. I know his family, I know him. I'm, there's definitely stuff in his life that he's been through. You know, I don't know his baggage, but I'm sure everyone's got their own bag. Right. He was a child. He might not even probably doesn't remember it, but it's my thing that I carry. It's not him. Right. I have to clear my mind. It's got nothing to do with him. It is incredible though how one comment can do so much to somebody else. Yeah, not even knowing it. Right. Yeah, my friend, uh, you know, Charlie always tells me like there was one comment of one rabbi who called him and said something that like changed life for the good, like where made him realize that he can do it or that he was loved or. So, okay, so that happens. Mm -hmm. You're going through high school. Subconsciously, you're avoiding any anything meaningful or real right. from people. Religious-wise... Nothing. When did you stop, like, giving oh. Shabbos, kosher, or any of that stuff? Well, like, Shabbos was, like, 10th grade. We turned on the light, nothing happened. And uh, Were you expecting something to happen? Of course, yeah. Growing up in... The way I grew up, I was... Thought they had a lightning bolt or something. But it's happened. But like, superficially, your family d doesn't come off like you know. It's not like your mom walked around with a shaitel and uh, later on in life she did. But right. I'm saying, but girl, it wasn't about them. It's where I went to school and the innocence of being. It's like the first time you forget to wear tefillin, and it's like you know, or you're still you, alive. It's or the guilt. You don't feel right. guilty after something you did. It's like, oh right. wow, I don't feel guilty. Now it's okay. Which should never be the reason why you do something. But growing up, I was not taught we practiced Judaism. 
there's so much love in it. Let's teach you the love and all of the greatness there is. It's kind of like we do this out of fear and because God said so. That's like right. kind of what I remember. And a lot of that mahalach is kind of like what my dad and my brother kind of brought anyway a little bit. It was like, you're an evident, like you're an evident Hashem. This, you know, you do this, you do that. There was no like spiritualness of love to the things I was doing. So eventually... It would have happened regardless of whatever I did, just right. a matter of when. At right. that point, so it was tenth grade, and and okay, and then when's the first time? So you're going through tenth grade. Would you say you were constant? Were you constantly uh, unhappy in, in high school? Yeah. No, I was a happy guy. I did not. I did not have feelings. I never. It was not. I didn't dream. I didn't feel. I just lived in the day. I lived in the moment, and. I just went along. I, I, and there was nothing. There was no... I laughed. I played sports. Yeah, there was feelings there. But there was no, like, I love to do this. If you ask me what I like to do, maybe play hockey or... But I didn't really have... I did like learning Amara. I did. Uh, but there was... There was nothing. I didn't have anything to me. I wasn't brought up with in a household where they focused on education. We do this, you're going to school, Zach, because you're, you're going to want to go to college and get a great job one day. They, there was nothing. I, I went to therapists growing up. They were trying to parent me my whole life, yeah. When did you start going to therapy, and, and why? Like Second grade. I was just not the best at school, and I had attention problems. So my parents, God bless them, they thought the psychologist could fix me, fix the issue. Which is like if you, you know, take care of your child, maybe right. you don't need a therapist, but whatever. Well, back in the day, ADHD was thought of it like, it, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, but it's just, I'm not blaming them. I love my parents and, you know, they did whatever they could, you know, but whatever, that's what it was. So every like Thursday after school, I'd leave, go to therapy and they would have to, I never did my homework. I never wanted to do anything. And they would give my homework to the teacher to sign off on and all that type of stuff. And so that was a little difficult sometimes. It was a little bit much for me. That probably played in like, I'm saying the seventh grade thing wasn't an uh, isolated incident where you were like, anyway, so happy-go-lucky. No, but and it's the one thing I really, I think I, I felt good and confident about was my friendships. And I have a big heart. Right. I do, and I notice that, and that's why I don't like feeling that part because it's crushing. Because it hurts even more because your heart's so open and big. Yeah, and that's why I shut it down. Right. So even though you felt different uh, resource room, all that stuff, uh, you at least had your friends. Don't give it away. Then... There's only four of us. Right. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, there was only four in your class, right? I, the, the, yeah, no. You were like, yes, you yeah, were. I was. Seventh and eighth grade. Like, yeah. what? So like, I guess I didn't teach you enough about religion being. Uh, no, we were straight tomorrow. I, I don't know what we're, we were. I don't know. I, we schmoozed a lot in my class. I, I, had one, I had one parent come up to me and say, well, he went up to the principal and said, tell Rabbi Weiss to stick to Gemara and to stop t- talking to my kids in Ashkafa because I don't want them like, not talking to girls and being weird. Well, tell them when you're in the low shear that's the type of stuff that you do. <laughs> or you rabbi quotes Billy Madison or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you're you're going through high school. Yeah. Um, but actually, you did have a lot of friends. Yes, yes, yes. Very friendly. And I had like main core of eight friends. Eight, seven. We're still friendly today. 
and um, yeah, and um, what, what, when when were you when did you start going down that slide, so to speak, uh, drinking drugs or? Well, yeah, that that eleventh uh, grade, eleventh grade, I smoked weed. For the first time I got it and I you remember ran. where you got it who got it for you and all that yeah the first time I remember the first time I did not get high it was outside my house and then outside your house yeah you so that's where everyone hung out was outside my house because my my parents did, did not care about anything with regards to that they were not very enforcing with rules there was no bedtime when I grew up there was no breakfast it was like do your thing right well your mother was an open, free-spirited yeah. type of... Not saying that was just it, but, you know? It was weird. Uh, it was, we were different. I got the Kansas soda in second grade when I was going to school. It was just... It was... Whatever. They did They did what they could. You know? Right. Do you think you needed more structure? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think any kid does. Right. Okay, so... So you're doing... See, I mean, you were... There was no fear in the beginning of... Oh my gosh, my mom and dad's gonna see me? Not, not at all. Um, yeah, a little bit, but as I started using and using and using, you're, you don't care anymore. What happens is your hiding spot goes from outside. My hiding spot for my weed, for instance, it goes from outside in the garage to the basement to my room to next to my bed to, in, you know, to right. open. Right. So the carelessness and not caring goes, and then senior year, I get caught. The school catches on. I get drug tested. I got a key to the drug testing place. I got away with all that. I had a guy hide in the bathroom, took the pee test for me. I was off to the races with drugs, with with smoking pot. And First, that's another level. Hold on. Yeah. You, you got a key to the drug testing place? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to let them take away my senior year. Um, and was it, was it only pot? Uh, in high school? Yes, yes, yes. In high school, yes. And then, yeah. So what, was it an addiction or was it I'm a cool kid who's smoking up, I just don't want to... It wasn't long enough to be... I wasn't. First of all, I wasn't doing anything in my life to make anything unmanageable. I was just going to school, right? So right. there was no... I wouldn't have known... It's hard to say to any adolescent that they're an addict because you're such a young person that your brain is not really mature enough to know. Like, you could say you have a problem to stop for a couple of years. It doesn't mean if you're 14 or 15, that could mean you're not a drug addict. You're just a kid. Right. And you like doing something. And maybe in three years from now, you you might be able to do that again. Me, I couldn't. And the school's reaction was just to want to... They, what, like, what steps do they take to try to help you to... That you shouldn't be doing drugs? No, they said, go, to, go see this therapist. You're going to have to go... Take a urine test. You're off the hockey team. It's not like I played or anything, right. but I was off. And when you pass, you'll you'll get back on. And that that was that was our whole thing. It also wasn't only you, right? There were a bunch of kids no. in your grade that were. Yeah, yeah. My my grade was not the best of the behavior grades. Right. So, all right. So you're you're smoking up. You were drinking also. A little bit, but it was never like if you if I if you put. Those two in front of me, I'm never choosing a drink versus. Right. And your parents during all this were Zach, please stop. Or well, my mom had her alcoholism at the time, I believe, so she wasn't so present um, with that stuff because she had. Her when own did when did that start, and when did you know about it? My mother, seventh grade. I think 
Well, seventh grade above bar mitzvah, that's different. Um, after that, eighth or ninth grade? Hold on, no. One year in high school, I don't remember when because I blocked it out of my memory so much. She came home, had a DUI, and she got arrested. And she came home, I think, sat more to Shabbos and just in tears and just looking a mess. And then she, she spoke to me outside on the porch and said, I have a problem, I need to go to rehab. And I had no idea. And I was like, what happened? She's like, I got a DUI, I have an alcohol problem. <coughs> and that's when I found out that she had her battle with that. Your father knew about it all the time? Yeah. Or she I, had it from oh, my dad, of course he knew. But my, dad's a, my dad has his own demons with that stuff as well. So I think, you know, between the both of them, they're both having, you know... They're both enabling each other. Of course, yeah. And and did you ever did you ever speak to your mom about like when it started, how it started, why it started for her? No, that's your mom was like said. super popular, fun. Everybody loved her. Beautiful woman. Yeah. Well, it's not about that. It's not about how good my life is. It's about I love the way I feel right now. It's I don't. I don't you ask me why I drink, I'm not going to tell you why I did drugs. It's not because of any reason. It's because I liked the way the drugs felt, the way the what it produced, right? So if you like the way alcohol feels, right, why would I want to stop if it's making me feel so good? It's all about the way it feels. Right, but if everything else is feeling great, then you don't typically take that for, like, if, if I'm super healthy, then I'm not taking any medicine. You know, the medicine makes me feel good, but it only makes me feel good if I'm if there's something that I need to feel good from. Let's say you do. Okay, I hear what you're saying. It it's different. I don't know. I feel like it's just like I want to feel amazing. I mean, there are people right, there are people with opioids or or, or painkillers who that that it came from. Listen, uh, I well even that right it came because it was a pain and they had to take it and then they're like so even though the rest of life may be great. They have an addictive gene in them, yeah. and then they become an addict. Well, I can remember when I took opioids and I went to the dentist in like 10th, 11th grade. I, I remember what it felt like, but I didn't visit that till later on. Right. And then, but it wasn't because I feel pain. It was like, oh, these feel good. And then all of a sudden, you take them for two, three months because it feels good. I just want to feel good. That's that's right. who I am. That's why I block out pain. I don't want to feel right, bad. Subconsciously, you're always. Yes, you're doing the opposite. You're putting yourself in more pain. Of course. But what I'm saying is, is, I don't think for any addict, it's a conscious thought of, life sucks and I'm going to drink now and whatever. It's just, um, at least when it starts, it's something much deeper. You know, I'm looking for my book, God of Our Understanding. I think I have it on my thing. I was in the middle of reading it. Um, it might be, but the easiest concept for me to understand that really defines it is I like the way it made me feel because if I didn't I would not do it and there's a reason why people go to the gym every day and people run every day if someone's healthy right why do they they need to run every day why does some guy need to run 20 miles in a triathlon because they got a runner's high and it feels great and they go run every day right that's also it's it's a it's a non-destructive addiction or if if anything constructive addiction it's also maybe running from something I hear that okay so you found that you're you're your mother was going through that, so she was unable. I mean, she must have said something to you, did it, or your father. They didn't sit you down and say. She sat me down and said, "What's going on with her?" And she said she's going to rehab to get better. 
and so I a way to to him to an inpatient. Yeah. Yes, I think she went to outpatient. I sh- you don't understand. I shut down. I was waiting for a Friday night, waiting for her, but looking out the window by myself. I was also that's one of the little traumas. I was looking outside the window Friday night, waiting for her. I kept on waiting for her, and she didn't show up. And um, this whatever. is what she got in her DUI. Yeah. Then that that Shabbos, and I was very nervous and scared, and didn't know what was going on. There was no one there. It's just me being alone, hurt. What was your father doing? Upstairs, I had no idea. He wasn't going to tell. They they hit they hit a lot for me. My parents. They didn't want to address very serious issues with me till the day my three days before my mother died. My dad didn't tell me that my mom was sick. I found out from someone else three days before. And if you ask your dad now, it was because they wanted to protect you? It was because yes. they didn't have the Kalen, the... I, the I, you know, I have my opinion that I don't think he knows how to deal with it. I don't, he's scared to deal with it. I don't think he can do that. They they think they were protecting me. They, were, my, they So I heard they were scared I was going to do something stupid if I found out, but it doesn't make sense because they didn't tell either of my brothers as well. Yeah. So. In other words, they're... They worried about you relapsing, or I don't think they had the stomach in them to tell me, and that's their choice. That's you know that was right. It's amazing how um, I I I'm always impressed with this with you, but how there's there's never blaming anyone. You don't do the blame game. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's, you know, it's easy for anyone outside to say it doesn't help. Don't blame, but. But in your shoes, when there's so many people that you could blame, you you just don't. Yeah, because I learned very early on with that stuff. There's, first of all, there's no there's no good in that anyway. There is sometimes justifiable I'm the resentment in life, but all it does is cause you me harm. But the alternative is I am a little bit too hard on myself at times, and you know, is it all on you? Because it's you can't spread it to anybody else, so you shoulder everything. Yeah, remember I saw a therapist after when I became a drug addict later on in life and he said to me you know you're very hard on me did you ever think maybe this is not your fault This the reason why you have this drug problem and you can't kick it like you're powerless over it and you can't do anything about it you keep on taking it like you can change it right and that's like which is step one yeah then he, he kind of planted a seed in me I was like you got me So, but, but with your parents with your parents issues they were they're always like religious always I mean, always yes always religious never transfer over to that never uh, no it's just, I think the generation uh, that generation that they grew up in is very different from what it is now yeah you could do both you could be you could have major problems and still go to shul and but on the other hand, when you're when you're in a religion, not a relationship, so I can do my religion and then I do my own messed up things. But when you're in a relationship with Hashem, so I can't cheat on him and then have a relationship with him. It's different. I think this is see the generation like I'm in is like I want to be real, right? I, I and I I don't want to be doing something and feel nothing and or feel like a fraud. But I'm just going to do this because my dad did it. You know, type of thing. I think that's the generation my dad grew up in. Is like we do this because our father didn't. If we didn't, he would have beat the garbage out of us. Right. 
and it's kind of different in our days, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it should have been different in their days, also. Yeah. Um, okay, so so you went through high school. Drug testing didn't really help because that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed. Um, I got the keys to my lab in my high school to steal Bunsen burners, but uh, and then melt pennies. And I'm a, uh, for no reason I do that as a hobby other than I, I could um, I almost burnt my house down once no wonder they told me to stay away from your house <laughs> as a kid did they really? yeah they're always talking about the legend of you he's, he's dangerous showing me he's crazy because I came from Brooklyn but I was like five, like I heard him I was like I was eight I was like I don't know the guy it's <laughs> really funny fast forward I'm like he's a rabbi you know I don't know uh, um, okay so we're in high school. So you're in high school, and there's no no religion. You're just smoking up, but no nothing harder than that. No. You also at this point know that y- your mom at least has has got some issues, mm-hmm. and that can't be easy to. I turned it off. I buried it. I learned very early on how to just bury whatever feelings. I, had. I was very good at it. I was very able to flip. You never, switch. you never like spoke with your friends. You never like, you, do your friends know what's going on? No. Your, your your cousins, your no, they might have, but I would not have a conversation about it. I was very up till maybe four years ago, maybe a little more. I was very, I developed a way of just flicking my emotions off and on. I would just watch TV and it'd be gone. So what about during therapy? You're going through therapy all, all this time? Yeah, but that was for my parents more than me, honestly. In the end of the day, it was for them to... I was not getting anything. I was not They were listening. checking a box. We were helping them out. Exactly. And I was just going. There was no seriousness about it for me. I was too young, I feel like, at the time. I developed, I think, a lot later on in life. The more thoughtfulness and open-mindedness. Well, that's I'm imagining from once you started recovering. A hundred percent. And and because by nature, I mean, you're more of a cynical guy. Hundred percent. So, um, okay. So so you went through high school. You're not really giving much to your therapist. There's nothing really going on. You're shutting everything out. And then and then you went to Israel for the year. Yep. And you did it. I one superficially at least you did really well there. Yeah, but then, I don't know. I always look back, was it real, wasn't it real? I don't know. But at the time there, I was definitely a happier person. I branched out. I let everything go from here. I was definitely friendly. I was not codependent on people making friends. I People, I embraced it. People embraced me. As a popular guy, it was great. You also did, what did you do, Hask for did a summer? Hask for two summers. I went to Shana Bet, and then, yeah, so I did Hask for two summers. You went, you went to Shana Bet to Israel? Yeah. What did you shoot I went to Tivari for Shana Bet, and then I went to Landers after. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. So you're away from the family, which is probably also good. Yes. And, and you're learning, and you're growing. Yes, I said. And you stopped, stopped weed, stopped everything? Stopped everything, yes. Yes, yes, yes. With no problem, no... Nothing. No, no need for 12 steps, any of that stuff. No, I was, I was really happy, and I was enjoying myself. I didn't even take my medicine for attention. I developed... How to like concentrate? Wow, which that is gone. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I stopped taking that, and I, I was really like, I lost weight. I was running. I was running six miles a day. I really like changed. Turned over six miles a day. Yeah, I ran from the old city to the top and out back every day. Wow, 
That's, that's, like, that's not just six miles. Six miles with Jerusalem Hills. Yeah. That's impressive. Yes. On, on Jerusalem Stone, which is not forgiving yes. on the feet. Yes, that did hurt my knees later on, yes. So you're running, you're doing great. And then I... I, I what, when did your father start having... Also, your father had a tremendous financial issues. That was previous to Israel, for sure. But before that, that was like maybe around my bar mitzvah. Oh, it started that early, which is... That year, there's a lot that went on that year that I'm not even aware of still, but there, there is. There's a lot of things that happened. But you think at the time that perhaps you it, you were aware of it and it affected you, and then also things that just blacked out, and you were able to bring up the, the seventh grade bar mitzvah thing, but could be there a lot of things that you witnessed, that you knew about, that you... 100%. At that time, like between that, those sixth to eighth grade area, there's a lot of... That that adolescent time of my life, whether I realize it or not, really played a big role and shaped a lot of what I went through and who I am even to this day. I'm sure, and and it also can't be easy because it's five towns and everybody else is. I mean, your, your cousins lived Around pretty uh, well. Not those cousins. I'm talking about your other cousins. They don't have each other, but yeah. Which ones? <laughs> I'm talking about the ones from Lawrence, the ones oh, yes. that I know. Yes. Right? That that his first car was an Audi TT. Correct. And and they're living the life, and the, and the toys that they had, the, the the money that was spent on them was just ridiculous. Yeah, and there, but there's also a beauty to like the way I saw my dad do whatever he could for me to go to camp per se. Like I saw him ask my uncle for the money, and I. I never thought down of that. I was admirable. Of it. I was like, he, he won't, he won't, you won't see him say it. But I know, look how much he, he'll do anything for his children. Like really, wow. and I saw it. I was like, like, he struggled, but he would do. He would beg anyone for us. He didn't care. There was no shame for him when it came to like doing what we needed to be done. That's amazing. Yeah, right. Because a lot of parents would say, "I don't want them to know what I have to do in order to." But it gave you an admiration for him. Wow. So, so I'm gonna just say I, I think my my favorite youth story. <laughs> oh, okay, I got it. Because yeah. I, I want to know what you were going through at this time. Sure. So, so I'm pulling up to a certain place. Another student of mine. I'm pulling up to his house, and it's a, he was making a CM. He completed a, a tractate of Talmud of, of Gemara. And I don't know who listens, so I don't know how how secular I have to say things. So um, I'm pulling up. And I'm driving down a, a very narrow, somewhat narrow uh, side street in a very suburban area. And um, and lo and behold, a car just kind of jumps out from a parking spot and and crashes right into me and my minivan with my kids in the car. And, and another rabbi. Uh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> and then the person in the car who hit me proceeds to, which, I, which was obvious from their actions, was very nervous and backed up away from my car and backed into the car behind him. And then he proceeded to get more nervous and want to get out of that little crash, so proceeded to hit the car in front of him because he got so nervous. And then who jumps out but you, screaming, I'll never forget this. You're like, I'm dead, 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 I'm dead. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down. Let, let's figure this out. Let's, and you were like, that was your first day with a license. You did not have insurance on the car. Oh, okay. 
you, you had told me your father lost your, your, his job and he did not have insurance on the car and and I don't know if the, I don't remember if your parents knew that you took the car which was no, they did, they did. it was a few blocks from your house they <laughs> so did there's a few blocks from your house you managed to have three cars yes my fairly new lease car a rabbi's old piece of junk who to his credit he came cool. out we figured out whose car that he came out. I was like, ah, you made it look better. I remember that. So I, I remember thinking, okay, we're down to only two. He's got to only deal with two cars. How bad could this be? And um, and then I remember going to, uh, we figured out who's the other car. And and I went to, and I said, and you wanted to run. That was what I remember. You're like, I got to I gotta leave. I'm like, do not leave the scene of an accident. It's not like I could, I'm going to report you, but you do not want this. I don't know who this other car is. I don't know who saw this. I don't know who is. And then you cannot leave the scene. And that would, you don't understand. My father's going to kill me. So I called your parents. Yeah. And, and I said, everything's okay. It's not so bad. I'm just letting you know. And, and I'm only telling you, I, I made, I think it was your father. I think it was your father. Yeah. As I made a promise I, you have to promise me what I'm going to tell you. You are not going to freak out, and you're not going to kill your kid. And I, I think he was very calm, actually. If he's, I recall, he's he good just, with that stuff. He was very, but you were like, "I'm dead." I'm, but it's interesting that you thought you were so dead. I've always been scared of my dad when it comes to monetary issues and um, stuff like that. I always never wanted to ask him for anything. I mean, that was thousands of dollars of damage. That was... Yeah, any, I'm talking about anything. Even I want to go get dinner, I don't want to... Like, I would... Even at I mean, high school, it's steal rather than ask. Like, that's how sick it, it was. Type of so thing. from him? Or from... Yeah, I'm saying, yeah. Like, take a 20 out of my mom's pocketbook. I'm saying, like, it's normal. It's not a normal thing to do. Right. Um, but I, I pilfered my father's... Uh, my father had a collection of $2 bills. Which I didn't know was like special. And then oh, he, yeah. I was <laughs> that and change. Uh, I don't know how my father didn't realize he was a little also absent, but yeah, I uh, whatever. Fish cup ended of Woodmere. They called me. The what? Rabbit Cohen. Oh, some you rabbi. Which rabbi code it is? Um, it said a story about me at the Kotel. Someone else told me, and they recognized the story. Years later, a friend I met years later. Yeah. Heard a rabbi telling a story about me. And then I told him the story when we met. He's like, oh, Rabbi, I know who said that story at the Kotel about this guy stealing kiddish cups from houses in Woodmere. And he's like, oh, my God, that's you. And I was like, which rabbi is it? And he told me, I'm like, that's my rabbi from high school. I was like, oh, my God. And he's going to tell you. Oh, no, he wasn't Kotel. naming you. No, he didn't name me yeah, at he all. Was... He didn't name me at all. I was like, did you see how good I'm doing now? He's like, no. <laughs> I <laughs> just said <laughs> screw up. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. But he used to so, steal people's kiddish cups. Yeah, so just don't take the Eliyahu hookup. You're a cop. What we have, and you would sell silver? Like, who was buying? Uh, this is later on when I had a drug problem. Um, yeah, I'm going to go pawn them. Pawn silver. They just go to a pawn shop. Take cash. Go buy them. Get my fix. Go home. All right, so let's, well, let's get we'll up get there. there. Yeah. yeah, so, okay, so you're, so that, that happened when you were doing really well. Yes. Which is why... Uh, you know, a wealthy individual stepped in and said, uh, who found out about this, whatever it was, said, I'm going to take care of this. Or he, he actually took care of like half of it, of like two and a half thousand dollars, and um, and said, he's, I remember his words, but I know he had a tough time in high school. He also was on the board in the school, so he probably also knew about your parents' financial situation. 
at now that it just he's also now. a good person what yeah, he's also a good person yeah he's a good person but he also is very quietly involved in the community and knows yeah. what's going on so he, um, he he's like listen he had a tough time he's, he's straightening out his life he, I, I don't want this to bring him down um, we'll take care of it and he took care of most of it um, and you, you 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 took some of your money from from Hass, which is why I remember that you went to Hass. That's for my Hass money. When I was yeah. my dad took the check. No, you paid. You, I've been blaming him for that. I blamed really? him. Really? Yeah. No, you so paid. I, yeah. You paid part of it. Um, I guess you paid all of it. I think they. I, I don't know how they were. Yeah, I don't know how the rest of it went. I, okay, makes sense. Because so. we know that other family did not forgive on it. I don't anyway, blame them. yeah, we. Yeah. You do blame them. No, I don't. Um, not at all. I wouldn't have paid for it either. But yeah. Uh, nice I, I gotta say, I I, I well, <laughs> I actually, actually, the, yes. I, I thought the, I, I went to knock on the door and appealed to them and said, "This, you know, I am testifying that, uh, that this kid has been through a tough time, and I'm asking you." I mean, if I was well off, I would have paid for it. Right. Have, yeah. So. Okay, so you and I would have. Yeah, um, I agree. So okay, so so then so then when did things start going downhill again, and in what way? Um. So Shana. Bet didn't go downhill. I was on a trip, and one of my buddies who um, was sick had medication. Sick like cancer. Cancer, yeah. And he said, "Hey, let's. You want to try one of these on the trip?" It was an oxycotton pill. Oh, I just figured. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It wasn't. It was just like normal. We were like high school guys, you know, like second year or whatever not right. a big deal um, I didn't think anything of it and um, we also didn't have the knowledge then of what of what stuff it bring you yes. to and what yes. like a one time pill why not before all that this stuff the opiate stuff was a problem right like, like my I think like my age is like that time like after but yeah so I took one and I f- just felt amazing and but it didn't trigger it did not trigger um, that gene in me, but I did remember the way I felt, and I did take it a couple of times. I did remember looking for that stuff later on in the in the drawers for his medicine. But you I went through his room. Yes, no, he was a roommate of mine. I went uh, through it to look for it, but I did not yeah. take it. But I did have a urge. But there was how a how, how soon after the first time, like the next day, you were very instantly. Uh, yeah, but wow. I was very. The thing is, I with. The one thing in my life that protected me was the little bit of God that I had, right? Don't steal. Yeah, the little bit of Judaism that I had, and that's kind of... Well, I mean, was it so little? You were a second year learning in Israel. Yeah, no, it wasn't so little, but it started dying down at that time, the feeling of this new... like Exciting. Exciting, awesome, like going to davening three days is amazing. Like, Karmach davening is amazing. Yeah. Every Shabbos, Shabbos is great. Uh, that feeling started to die down a bit and shine, but it started to get old a little bit. And I started getting more towards Litvish learning and, and trying to be like my dad is and my brother is, and I kind of shut off that, like, joy. And uh, the story, I came back from Shanalf, I was reading a Karlbach book, my brother told me, he said, you can go read that on the toilet if you want. Nice. So... I felt stupid at that time. These, like, words, like, really... I looked up to him when it comes right. to that stuff, so... It, like, hit me, like, uh, a ton of bricks, and I'm like... 
I stopped like learning that, like reading that type of stuff, and just started like. Have you told him this? Maybe in a joking way, once or twice, but never like seriously. I don't want to hurt him uh, with that stuff. He's he's the, the nicest, biggest heart person I know. I don't know. If, there's no reason to. It's not his thing. But you don't. There's no reason I say you did this to me. Apologize. You know that's not, not my apologize, thing. but to. And no, none of your therapy, none of the recovery is this kind of. Um, I mean, I know, I know, in recovery, there's you have to go tell people what the resentment. This was all resentment that I went through in my step work. Yeah, for sure. But you don't have to tell him. No, it's from that's my resentment. If I'm angry at you, it's not because you did something to me. Meaning, it might be because you did something to me, but it's it's I feel it. So the the way I make amends is if I wronged you. Right. right, it's not if you wronged me. Right, if you wronged right. me, I'd give it to God. Right. Like, let just let me go of this, you know. So and okay, usually so. it's ego involved. The why, the way I feel, the way I feel. That's the whole thing you realize. It's all me. It's all ego. Right. I want it to all feel smart, time. you know. It wouldn't bother me unless I, you know, wanted to think something of myself. That's a great point, which is which is why. Humility is the number one mida that is by Hasidus that, that you have to have. It's like the key to all good midos comes from that. Okay, so, so he tells you this, and your father, I, I remember at one point you told me your father used to always have these subtle or less than subtle jabs at things you were doing, things you were keeping, and how you were keeping them. Oh, uh, yeah. You remember specific things? Uh, yeah. Um... Not my even my little brother who's thank God. I mean, he lasted. He's in, he lives in Israel. He's got two children. He's in Kolel. but uh, he had a beard. Shave your beard. Why even stupid beard? You don't have to have a beard. But he, he told, told you that. I told yeah, anytime and tell my little brother that when my, my little brother learned from us from me. I think he's just saw. He's like, I'm not gonna let them do that to me. He's like, I need to get out. And he stayed out. I. Did not stand, and um, yeah, so it got to me every now and then. Um, you know, any time I tried talking to him regarding the stuff, he didn't take it really too much into consideration what I was saying and tell me it's wrong. What you're doing is wrong, or what that's not right. What you're saying, or you don't know what you're talking about. I would feel less than, and that's what it was. It was more of I just wanted to feel a part of, and when I was around them, I felt less than. So this is just reinforcing seventh grade all over again. Exactly. You're not even invited in your own home. It's all inadequacies. And it's all and me. It was all ego, and that's why I don't really blame them. It's on me for that stuff. Okay, so, um, so then, so you're back in Israel. Start. Yep. It took your first um, Akatan, yep. and then and so when did it start getting out of control? Well, no, I didn't get out of control until after Landers. I was in Landers. I still remember. I was listening to like David Grossman's uh, uh, Me every day. Yeah. And doing a little pencil thing in my book. And I, But I'm not comprehending anything. I'm just doing it. And I'm sitting there alone in my Mako, and I'm just like, one thing, like, what are you doing? Like, you're a fraud. Like, you're not, you're not even, like, understanding what you're learning anymore, and you're just checking the book. And doing it just to say you did it. And I just... And I said, I was like, I can't do this. I Like, I'm not going to live like this. And so my friends, happy. 
in Queens College, you know, having a a good time. And I was like, I was admirable. They're like, they're living their life. They're happy. They don't question what they're doing. It's nothing to do with girls or anything? Like, you weren't involved with girls? Nothing. At the time. I was not a girl that got any, you know, I right. did do things with girls, but I would never have had a taiva for it, really. Unless mm. I was drunk or partying, but no. I did not care for it. That wasn't my desire. My desire was to feel normal and good and not and not like criticize myself and like and not feel unwelcome and when I was in Yeshiva Landers I felt that alone I felt alone I felt very lonely stuck with my negative thoughts in my head and that's what happens when you're alone you're putting the car and the radio's off that's how I can tell when my especially now I'm sitting shit I can't listen to music so if, when the music's off in the car I'm alone with my thoughts that's how I know if I'm okay if I can sit there for a second and just like it's interesting I used to always challenge classes that I gave that, that if they really happened that would that would be my challenge I said go into a room shut off the light shut off your phone shut off everything everything 15 minutes if you could last those 15 minutes without starting to feel like something's wrong then you're happy yeah. if not you just you're just fooling yourself that's amazing Okay, that's validation for me. Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, so, um, okay, so you had that thought, and it was instantaneous, or the thought With just started? Michael, no, it was like, that was building for a little bit of, like, feeling like a fraud, because this feeling I had is gone, and I'm doing things because I'm scared. Like, I'm wearing, I changed, you know? You come back from Israel, this guy who's different, everyone's so happy, the way you changed. And you're dressing nicely, you're going to shul, you're doing what everyone is happy for in the community, and right. it looks well upon you. And it was just the fear of, like, I'm doing this out of fear now, at this point. There's nothing I like about this. There's nothing in me that says, this is, I feel good about this, I'm happy with this. It was just more of, like, I'm checking boxes, and I never wanted to be that person who checks. I just wanted to be real. Right. And that's also an issue. It's like, it's belief as well, you know? And the cynical party is probably looking. I, I know we've had discussion where you look at everyone else and you're like, they're a bunch of fakers too. Everyone yeah, knows. a part of that goes on for sure. Yeah, well, that's later on. After on, that's resentment. Later on. Okay. But a lot more of it was um, just I don't want to feel like a fraud. I don't want to go, and I don't want to do these things anymore. And then I realized I just like I don't. I'm running to mincha. I don't want to go to mincha. Like I don't want to go. I'm in the middle of the Super Bowl. And I want, and I remember one time I pretended to go to a minion, and I'm like, this is, and I was like, this, this is ridiculous. What did you say? One time you pretended to go. Yeah, to yeah. I told you got him, up and left. And I had non, I non from friends. Yeah. And instead of going to a minion, I did not go to a minion. I just left for ten minutes and, and came back to keep up an appearance. And that's how bad it got. That was that year in Landers. So the Super yes. Bowl of yeah. that year. Yeah. And um, it's just that feeling of like alone. And, like, it wasn't like, just keep on, there was no rabbi for me where I was. I was very dry. I was going to ask my next question. Worst you didn't have any rabbi to turn to? No, not there. It was very dry. What I should have went to Shari Elisha. It was probably the worst decision I ever made. Yeah. For myself. Urbina told me to go there. They got me some discount for school. I was not getting into any college. So that was part right. of it. Went to the post off program. And... I just didn't I didn't enjoy the sheer I didn't enjoy anything it wasn't the same I mean the, the mystique of Israel's gone you know you're back right 
and it just was like everything was gone you know the whole closeness you have with the guys and she was done you know the love and it's it was just there was nothing here the shab Shabbos is different everything just felt different and there was no from the from that time you took the 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 um good question the what's the pill? Called? The pill. I was trying to. I was good. Name, yeah. I was good, and then um, till that till this point, you still didn't take your second one. No, and then I started hanging out. I said, I started hanging out with the Queens kids when I was in Landers, yeah. and I already started making the change. I started going there, and after the post, I'm done. Done. With, I already made after the post place program that summer. Never going back to Landers. Clothes are changed. Go back to the way I dress normally. And I'm smoking again. We going through the motions. That's when it starts to take off. Because I'm going... Proceeding that, I go to Turo the next year. And from smoking weed, I'm going to buy weed. And then I get introduced to Xanax from a drug dealer. And then I get... He finds out that he's painkillers. And all of a sudden, within four months, I'm skipping class in night school because I worked in the day to go to the drug dealer in Queens and then just go home and I was off to the races right? was a Jewish drug dealer or the guy one of them was no no not in, I'm not in Yeshiva anymore this is uh -huh. in like Turo in Queens uh -huh. um, the non like Landers one uh -huh. there's a bunch of them um, there's a Jewish guy in Queens yes but that didn't mean in Yeshiva he just happens to be Jewish is this guy still doing it like do you know this guy's dead yeah uh. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, he's not doing it anymore. Right. Um, overdose or he's using his stuff or over? I think he overdosed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he overdosed. But um, he was in bad shape anyway from before. Not anyway. It's not really a good thing, but it's not like I did not see it coming. Right. But um, yeah, and I was in multiple people, and not all of them are Jewish. But I needed to know someone first in order to meet these people. So, right. Yeah. So I was off to the races, and then once opiates happened, it's, there was no turning back from that. It's done after that. So how long were you living like this? Five, six years. Five, six years. So you're ready, 21, 20. Well, when did we reconnect? How old, how old are you now? I'm 33. 33. Did you say I think? Yeah, stop counting after 30. I don't want to know. I'm yeah, <laughs> 88. Yeah, 33. June 24. Holy yeah. cow, I feel old. Yeah. You're 33. So, um, when did you meet your girlfriend? Six years ago. Uh, seven years ago. I met her seven years ago. What? In recovery. You, you met her when you were both in recovery. I saw her in a meeting in, in Cedars. And I said, I'm going to marry that girl in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I, did. Really I really did in my head and because she, she didn't like me for a long time like the, in that way now but yeah. what, while you're going to these meetings you you that's part of your six years seven years clean like you're already clean when you're dating dating her I waited till my first year of recovery to in order to even ask her to do anything I took my recovery very seriously I was I thought I was it's gonna die. Um, so I did. Okay, so why, let's get to that. So yeah. So you're you're very lost in the world of drugs. How do you get to recovery? Well, I became. Well, the pill guy doesn't have pills. The next thing he has is heroin, and I snorted heroin for the first time. And what happens is, when you don't have your pills, you withdraw your heroin, 
And the withdrawal feeling is beyond hell. It's you're sweating, throwing up, you're mentally crazy. So I never felt something like that. So right away, I, I remember so innocently calling my drunk. I'm like, why do I feel so sick? He's like, you're just withdrawing. I'm like, what, what's withdrawing? Withdrawal on the pills. Yeah, I had no right. idea. I was very innocent. Like, I didn't right. know what I was getting myself. I never, I just wanted to feel good. I told you. Right. And, and, and your parents at this time, during this time, know how bad you were in no, drugs? No, no, they have no idea. They had no idea. They you weren't not, living at all? I was. They had no idea until... They just thought I was smoking weed. They had no idea until I told them. Which was Years, once you were in recovery. The, 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 the day before I got sober, yeah, I told them. I said to them, I, I, I looked at myself in the mirror, I broke down, I told them, like, I've been using heroin, I need help. I haven't been sleeping for two weeks. I tried to stop him by myself. I can't. They brought me to Mercy Hospital. They pumped some morphine in me, ironically enough, put me to sleep. And they said, if we give you more, you have to go to an, you know, a facility. I said, I'm done. I went home. Went to a meeting the next day. I was sober. Ever since then. From one meeting? Well, it built up. I went to like seven outpatients beforehand. And like, but not for me. I never wanted it. I was just going because it just made them happy and I would just stay sober for a period of time and then just try to use after, but it never worked because I'm a mm. junkie and I'm a drug addict and I can't use like that, but it never settled into my head that like, you can't use that. Even if you stop for three weeks, it doesn't mean you can go have a drink and be normal, not be normal, but like moderate this. Right. You have the allergy which is like I get fixated on that I have that personality when I like something I just want it like right. that when it make, especially that when it makes you feel euphoric and good and I don't have those doubts and suffering and then my mind is not like seeking with all those questions of you know what if I go to this new job and you know feeling that anxiousness or whatever it's all gone I feel great there's no I'm doing a sales job but I feel 100% good about everything so you, you're working throughout all this time. Oh, yeah. I got caught in the city. I, I was working at a big company in the city. I lost a job. I snorted heroin in, in the bathroom. Someone told on me. I My best friend uh, got me a job working for a company. I made two sales. I got drunk. At lunch, came back. They fired me. Like And that humiliation from that type of stuff only caused this thing to go worse and worse and right. worse. So how many how many things did you how many times did you try to stop or to go to like when you you, you came home and you told your parents I want to stop they brought you to Mercy Hospital yeah that was I said I haven't I couldn't sleep I was shaking for a week and I'm saying that's after starting and stopping a whole bunch of times yeah of course so yeah. who was bringing you to the outpatient places well no my parents found out that I was smoking weed uh, and that and like I was not in school anymore and like there wasn't much going on in my life as right. well so it's not like because well my parents their concept of is like if you can go make a living right or even bring home money and live functionally and do whatever you want you're good because right. I know there are people in my family that do that that don't think they have a problem or right. no one thinks they have a problem because they quote unquote can you know spend 10 hours in a job and get a paycheck and then be miserable but you know well, during this time, you, your your mother was using as well. My mother, she did later on. 
No, she used when I got sober. She she relapsed when I got sober. When I was sober, yeah. Into my like three years into my sobriety, yeah. Okay, so so you went in and out of the outpatient stuff. Yeah. You, you went to, but you never went to meetings. No, I, and I would stay sober for for in those things, and then when I left, I would just go back to what I was doing, and then off. And then it would get to a point where it got bad again. Like, I would be careless and not cautious about what I was doing. My parents would find out, and I wouldn't be doing, like, a fire from a job. And they'd be like, you're using again. We're sending you back. And every time... How do they afford these things? These things are a fortune. Well, uh, did insurance cover it? Could be some of them. Outpatients, maybe. I mean, they kicked me out of uh, when I was got sent to one of these places after six days because insurance didn't want to take it anymore. I went to uh, Seafield at like West Hampton and after six days I even wrote on the paper I don't know why I should be here for the insurance company like I should not be here please let me go and right when I started to get like enjoy it I think I have a problem they're like insurance like oh man yeah that's funny hilarious and now I can laugh at it now (laughs) so I, things got really bad, and then I was kind of smoking fentanyl, freebasing fentanyl, which I did not know till like three years ago that that's what everyone's dying off of. Like, yeah, fentanyl is what's killing people. Yeah. I would have been dead for sure. There was no, yeah, I because I kept there was I was using so much that it stopped working. Right. Yeah, to and, keep increasing the dosages and yeah, and and the stuff that they put in it today and going through, I would have been dead for sure. There was no, I didn't, there was no being cautious. Were you losing friends? Did you have friends that were... Yeah, I mean, towards the end, yeah. I had friends that didn't know, I, my best friend didn't, he kind of isolated himself from me. I didn't even know at the time. I was too gone. He just like, I couldn't, there's nothing I could do to help you. I love you. The best thing I could oh, do I meant, were you losing, were, were friends dying from... No, I did not, I was the only guy doing it. Out of my close friends, they really? were all, they all got it. Like, I had friends that smoked with me and like, you know, and, but once they got to go to school, yeah, they turned it on. Like, and they're like the best student. They're going to law school, and they're getting, and that's part of it. Seeing them all proceed with their life and getting their stuff together, and I'm just down the cycle. It's not good. Yeah. So you're still playing the part of the screw up. And this the... ego, yeah, and shame, and and that stuff. I'm feeling bad for myself, which is never good. But yeah. Wow. And, and and were you ever did you ever become suicidal you no think? no unless I was unconsciously suicidal which I don't think so I just right. think I wanted to just I wanted to feel you for and so then from the first that first meeting that, I broke down I had an aunt who drove me who I never met very old lady oh man and um, she drove me to my first meeting this is an old people meeting and I got a school. What does that mean, old people mean? It was like a 12 o'clock Garden City meeting on a Tuesday. So there's only like one my age there. It was just like old folks who have like long recovery. They've been recovering for like 30 years. Right. And I remember I just sat down with her. It's just it's so vulnerable. I just cried and cried and cried to her. I didn't even know her. And she was going to the meeting herself? Yeah. She, that's what she brought. Like she was in, she was in um, AA. Wow. Yeah. So this runs in the family. Oh yeah, deep in the family on my mom's side. Yeah, yeah. My grandfather, my mother, my my father himself, but not you know. Right. But yeah, 
all on my, my mother's side, yeah. Wow. Okay, so... So she brings me you break down crying. And then I... Uh, you spoke there also the first time? Were you able to speak? I just said I'm an alcoholic. I'm new. Like, these kids who are sober that I had to use. And, and like, my worst scenario is, like, someone found out. Like... He sat in front of everybody? No, no he pulled me aside like a mensch. Like, a very, yeah. very nice of him to do that. He's like, dude, you could stay until just don't take it and think of my house. You know, which is very nice of him, but that, like, I just, it was horrible. And then, thank God, preceding that is when that happened, when I told my parents and right. so forth. Yeah, that's, that's how I went. I totally forgot about that. Wow. So what do you think gave you that strength to... God... I don't think I had much to do with it. Honestly. I think he intervened. There's no other there's no other thing to say. I couldn't do it. And, but which is funny because you didn't immediately at all turn back to it's not like you flipped that switch and became back into a religious boy in it with your white shirt again. No, I got an open mind this time around. I didn't have a sponsor the first time around. I didn't... I wasn't going to go read the book with anyone. I was still going to do it my way. And then when I came back this time, I was... Uh, my mind opened. And I was listening and I took the sponsor. I started going to three meetings a day for a whole year. I was going to at 12 o'clock. I didn't work. I just went to meetings and I went home. And that's what I did my whole first year. I went to three meetings every day. Wow. Yeah, and I do my step work at like six in the morning. I took it very seriously. Yeah, three a day for a year. Yeah, with nothing else going on. Nothing. And what were you doing in between? I watched TV. TV. I learned how to work out. I could fill. I could waste a lot of time, but it was more. And I think at the time, maybe I was going to. I think I was going to friends at bridge. I was going to an outpatient. I was not always. Yeah, an outpatient close by, just here. Um, I was going to what's the name Barry Olansky's place I think over there uh, whatever in Cedars yeah. I was going to a place in Cedars yeah um, and then yeah and I finally got it and everything clicked and I go there I stayed sober there and then I was done with that and I kept going hey after because I was working when did you start going back to work get a girlfriend after the first year I started going back to work I got a job and yeah, I got a job with the credit card processing after the first year. Started right. making money, got a car. Things started to turn around. Things started happening in my life. Started to feel good about myself. My life started actually changing. You know, good things started happening in my life. But but there was no thoughts at this point of not God, but of Hashem, of of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism. Of no, there was there was always Tfilin and kosher and Shabbos and. There was always, I always, at that time, wanted to have the shut off moment again, to recapture it. Were you Thinking, waiting for it to happen to you? And then realizing later later down the road that that's what I was yearning for, being like, it's never going to happen. I'm, you know, I need to have a new spiritual experience. I came trying to chase something that's never going to happen. Because that was our car. I remember, what what brought you, to, you came here, all, what was it, three always, years ago? Four yeah, years and ago? Yeah, I still, to this day, because there's still, some, I know, I know Judaism's truth. I know, there's only, I don't, don't believe, right. I don't believe, or I don't, there's hard common sense for me to grasp about Yashik and Asadola and all that stuff and what's yeah. rational and what's not rational. Like to think like I'm 
like the genius or whatever. So that stuff is tough for me. Like that, our, the rabbi said to do this, and like our like now watch television on Shabbos, and it makes me feel comfortable. Right. You know, like stuff like that. No matter what you that's say, the cynical side of you. That exactly, it's bad. That like doesn't want to be a soldier, and but if I actually turned it over, maybe one day it will. I'll be happy and understand it clearly. So I get it. You know, right. But putting it into action makes me feel uncomfortable. Like that's the. So when when you showed up here that Saturday, I, I remember it was a Saturday night, and, and the way I put it to you and what I understood after our conversation was exactly that the same thing with the drug you're waiting for something to happen for you instead yes. of instead of initiating you're waiting for that moment for the inspiration for God to tap you on the shoulder and say okay I'm back right but I didn't know how to get back into you. every time I tried putting out the film for some reason you remember you telling me specifically like why <laughs> it's like because that's like the first like I don't know that's what you're supposed to do I don't right. know it's like put on the film and like and I'd try like reading and I was like I, I didn't have a rabbi there was no direction I would just try recapturing things I and I would not get it. It doesn't work. But what brought you to... Because I wanted... I've always like to, I've always wanted to be there. And I'm with... And she was getting for... And I told her early on, when in recovery, before I found this spiritualness of recovery, like... And we learned together... I shouldn't have said her name. Right. Let's take that. I don't know we could add it out. Good. Um, I told her earlier on that... Um, that... Um, about... Like, I was... Per, I wasn't. I was that guy. Like I wanted. I wanted to. I want to have a firm family. I want those ideals, right? But I'm not. I'm not living that way. But I want it because I liked it. I liked that lifestyle. I was living. I was very happy. I remember being just happy. And I was chasing something that I had no idea how to get to, and I need to have a real spiritual experience that was totally different from what I had it was something I'm never going to get so I've always wanted those ideals I, I see them as truth I just want to fit in with the truth and feel comfortable right I remember it was hard for you to to come back into the shul into the synagogue and just so, come just for the chadodi and until this day I mean no this day it actually changed it's the weirdest thing all of a sudden when your mother passed I mean so we were learning what, why did that stop because uh, throughout the time that we studied together, when I, 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 you always called me, and I always told you from the beginning, I'm not going to chase you. You get, this got to come from you. I'll be here for you. So we we, must we had have, a good run, like a year and a half. Must have canceled or something, or because what happens is when someone cancels or something happens, usually I turn off. Like with this other guy I was supposed to learn with, and he didn't answer my phone call. So and that's it. So then now I, you're you're putter. You don't know. I shouldn't be, but I'm right. just saying. I, this goes back to not wanting to feel the inadequacies right. and the ego and, and that stuff. And it shouldn't be. But I have no one there to just shake me and be like, "This is why you're doing this." You know, I could realize now. So it's part it. of that saying, "I'm going to call Rabbi Weiss and be like, no, I don't want to learn with you." No, calling right. that is in me realizing now that all people are people. You know, they are important. They have important things to do. Like their life is not all what they're doing. Shouldn't have said my name. <laughs> By the way, um, <laughs> I'm anonymous. I'm not anonymous. No, but it's like, what was? What, what am I doing? You live your life, and you know you're human. And I put godliness qualities into rabbis growing up. Yeah, that's flattering. And my parents, when I shouldn't have, and and whenever I saw a flaw, it was over for me. It was like, I don't want to know you anymore because you're flawed. And that's disgusting. To me. 
Wow. So if I would have reached out the next week and said, hey, what's up, how come we're not learning? Let's learn. I would have said, let's learn. That's not on use. Don't do that. No, it's not my it's not my way because I don't think it's helpful. But it's not. Because it's, it's got... Good. It's good, Ben. It's got to come from the person that I'm helping. They need to want it. Otherwise, it's me lecturing instead of them wanting to hear what... Yeah, but it's more... For me... Well, it's good that you're saying this now because now I realize it. Um, it's more about... I don't want to feel pain and uncomfortability above anything else. And that's... N- I'm never going to get anywhere with that type of attitude. Is it, So let's bring up well, one or two more things and then we'll wrap it up. Is that why... Okay, so you've been seeing this amazing young lady for quite a few years yeah. who I know who's going to be a guest on the show also, God willing. And... Um, and she's ready to say yes, like uh, pretty much. I mean, you're no. If I've asked her if she would say yes, at this point she's not. No, I don't think so. What's she waiting for? I mean, I've talked to her also as well, and I well, know that she had. I her... want to give this to. I'm actually loving. Like I think I'm, I'm getting somewhere that. Unfortunately, my mother passed away, but this going to back to shul and like feeling normal with Judaism has been the craziest part of this whole. So you've been going three times a day since your mother passed? Yes, for mostly, but there are days where I give, well, after Shaloshim, I get said, you know what, if you don't make shachars, it's okay. Don't kill yourself, don't feel guilty, make menchamar, it's fine. I don't want to feel bad. I know my mom... Would she want? Would want? The only reason I, at first I said, "Mom would want you to go. She'd want you to do this." Um, so I started going, and I was so nervous and scared to be uncomfortable and get those feelings, and they were, they were gone. They were just, I don't know. They left, and I just. Your mother thought, passed how long ago now? It's three weeks. No, more, more, more. Atchison's over, way over. So it's oh. been been June 9th. Um Oh, no, 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 May 9th, May 9th, May 9th. Yeah, okay. yeah, May 9th. Almost two months, a little bit less. Yeah, yeah. just under two months. Yeah. And you've been going to shul every day? Going to shul, I remember I davened, at, and I felt when I davened for the Amud at Shiva, I started just feeling, like, comfortable and normal, and I started, like, saying the words, like, I remembered on, like, the top of my head. It just felt normal. And before she passed, you weren't... My I know you weren't going to shul, but were you keeping Shabbos? And no. No, no, nothing. I no. I was, before she was, I was trying to keep Shabbos. I smoked cigarettes, um, but I'm more definitely more with it now. With the shul coming, I think things in my life like wearing wearing yarmulke more often when I'm going out. Aside from being in office, you know, when I leave the office, put it right on and stuff like that. It's just a part of my life. And waking up and going, I'm going to Pasik and like when I go to Minion. Stuff like that, I don't know, it feels good again. You know, it just feels like I'm doing the right thing and it feels good. And I'm just, and I'm, when I'm diving, I'm understanding what I'm saying. It, it's weird. It's all just coming back to me and it just feels good. I don't know. So, just to fill people in, a lot of what your girlfriend was always concerned about, she wants to lead a very halachic religious life. Right. And, and she always was worried you were, you're an amazing, thoughtful, sensitive, person and you will be that as a husband so you're going to just go along and be that for her instead of being it real for for yourself and she was always concerned that there's going to be resentment there it's not going to be good for the kids it's not going to be real she wants 
Yeah, and there's a part of that because I just love her so tremendously that I would. It, we have arguments of like dressing and stuff like that. She would like me to dress more. From and I just there's a distinguished. Just I cannot stand that type of stuff. And maybe it's just because people say it and they. <laughs> no, it's just like. Just because I went there once and right. I had a bad experience of and feeling like a fraud, that for me to go back to that in my mindset is a bad place, and I want it. If it comes, great. You know, if it comes out of somewhere that I find that this is important to do for me and I want to live this way again, great. But I don't want to do it because that's what other people do. It's not how I got. That's not how I think I'm going to get religious. It's, but like, it's all the associations. It's not. It's yes. nothing to do with what it really is. It's all to do with how you've associated it. Correct. Correct. And for so one reason or not, you know, it just doesn't work for me. It, I, yeah, I don't associate it great. No. So titsis and all that stuff. and But Koshi, right? Koshi, no, Koshi, Koshi keeping yeah. since, since we've been learned. Since we've yeah. learned back then. Right, that was the first thing that you... Uh, yeah, and I think it was the most important thing I did, to be honest with you, because it actually, I felt, it's the first I, first thing I felt good after, and it was the weirdest part about it, I remember, I was like, why do I feel, it's just kosher, like, why do I, even, it's like a hook, why do I feel, it's not a hook of the goat milk, but yeah, but why do I feel so great after this? Right. Like, I could feel it, it was just weird. I remember you telling me you felt like you were thinking clear. It was strange, it was strange. That also happened the first time I wore tzitzis, you know, after seeing a therapist a long time ago. Now that you just brought that up. Wow. Yeah. And, um... So where, so where are you guys now? Are you gonna... Um... Well... You know, I would like to, but I, I really just... I want to grow with what's going on. I think, obviously, it's horrible, what, you know, what happened. But I think that there was a big growth process and um, a lot of I don't know a lot of me recognizing things after my mother's passing and, and you know her sitting next to my girlfriend before passing and her telling my mom I'm going to take care of him no matter yeah. what and then that's the last person who like talked to my mom before she passed the last person to talk to your mom was your girlfriend saying I'm going to take care of your son don't worry about him yeah wow so um, it's a way to go. There's like, uh, but she was. Uh, you said that you know she was she was sick. I remember when we were learning already two three years ago. She was yes, sick. that's when she she got sick. But then they did. Exper- I didn't even know till recently. She had experimental treatment. And she got better. Uh, after that, and it was then, a brain tumor, right? Yeah, and I kept on asking, "Do you still, do you still have a shake now?" Good. And, and then she just, was, and, and then, then she just came back. She came back um, when we were far from Pisa. And her heart, her hand kept on shaking. So, I thought it was her medications that she was seeing a bunch of different doctors, and and the melanoma came back. They found out when like the week they got back, and all of a sudden, like all these friends started showing up to the house, and I had no clue. So they all knew. They all knew, and I confronted them. I said, yeah. "They lied to me before. Tell me what's going on. Like, I think it's the medicine." And they're like, "Yeah, it's the medicine." Like, like a little kid. No, nah, they were just. I don't blame them. My mom didn't want. They didn't want to tell me. They didn't. And then my brother found out, told me, and I actually called my old psychiatrist, who's a big psychiatrist, and I gave him all my mom's medication the day before. It's our cousin. 
And he called me when I was at work. And Jeremy called me when I was at work. I mean, you gave him the list. You said, this is what she's taking. Yeah. And Jeremy called me when I was at work and told me that. And then he called me. And I said, no, she actually has melanoma. Forget about it. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. Like, there was no positive, like, nothing. Right. So, and then my brother told me that. And then I checked with one of their friends. And he's like, yeah. And how long was that before she passed? Four or three days, four and three. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, and then it just, yeah, a lot of like, yeah. Hold on, we were supposed to do, right, we were supposed to do this. Yeah. And then you cancel, you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I just said uh, my mom in the hospital, and I thought it was running the mill stuff because I thought she was sick all this time. No, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was the, she went that Friday night, and then Shabbos, she was home. Um, and at that point, Sunday, she was learning and growing, and I, or she started coming over here? I almost been covering her for the longest time. For very long. People just don't realize. Really? Very long time. Since I've been like, maybe since I was in 11th, 10th grade. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Oh, um, I think I do remember. Uh, uh, she's like a yeah. little shameful thing that you probably couldn't realize. But yeah. She never like, put a snoot over her head. Right. Or a snitch, whatever you call it. A snoot. <laughs> it's a game. Snitch. <laughs> um... I'm actually pretty good. My wife was in the shaitel business, so I could spot a shaitel from pretty good like that. Not that I sit there staring at people's heads, but um, but, but okay, yeah. I, I think I do remember that she was. And then my uh, dad like falls asleep to white tour and stuff. So like they were very he still does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so religious. He falls asleep to white tour. Yeah, um, there's something to that. I don't know, but yeah. And your mom in the last few years was clean, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was and then she had a little stint and then after that she was good she she stopped going but she was going through stuff like she was definitely I don't to this day I don't know what was going on that last year but clearly there was things going on that they still have not told me I find out something new every day but that she was always going to doctors and stuff like that but I, they didn't want to tell me anything so I never knew I always asked I never knew so you don't know how long she was suffering in this last... Supposedly, thing, no. Or how long she, she knew she was suffering. She knew... She, no, definitely... They found out, like, the week after Pesach when they got back. Oh, so well, that's very quick. Yeah, but they just months. didn't tell me. But during Pesach, they did not know. Like, I didn't know. Yeah. And you were all together in Florida? No family? No, it's just me and... Your older brother? Yeah, I mean, thank God I lost my job. I had to move back from Long Beach. Seriously, for that last year, to be in the house. It was like... A blow. Me and my mom did not have a great, the greatest. I mean, because we're very similar, and um, there's a lot of yelling and fighting. So I'm just glad that I got that time to be with her, even if she wanted me. You weren't me. yelling and fighting during that last year. Not as much. No. No, I actually got to like sit down and talk. There's much. You know, I just, you know, hindsight. I wish I would have known something a little earlier, but it doesn't change the fact. You know, as my dad says, nothing to feel bad about. Easy to say. Yeah. But it really shouldn't, you know? Why is that going to help? It's so, not. It, so, um, and then, and then, it's interesting you told me that, um, you had to start counting again. Yes. And then, uh, and then. As opposed to saying I just slipped once and I'm really seven years clean. The way you put it is, no, I, I gotta start counting. Because that, that was always in my head, like what it would be like 
to walk into one of those meetings after having some time and saying I have one day back the humiliation type of thinking and feeling but then I did I just called some people I went to meetings said I had one day back and it was I, is that just six, six years of being clean seven years seven years of being clean yeah it was unconscious I just wanted to feel good and one of these one of the people in my family who uses had one of his things joints outside and I was just crying all night being sad about my mother and I just just this is the first night like no night this is I was after Shiva after Shiva was Shiva week was great uh, you're busy people are around yeah it was after Shiva the day I got back to work um I lost it and then that whole couple two three weeks after I was just I felt just sad. It was the weirdest feeling in the world. I never felt like that ever. Just were you going to meetings? I mean, you've been going. You go to meetings. I go to Zoom. I stopped going to some meetings. So there wasn't. It wasn't deliberately because of that. Uh, the meetings stopped going to the meetings because it was COVID. Then everyone's doing Zoom meetings. Right. So it was kind of taken out of my element. I was going to Zoom meetings and I started slacking once things started opening up. And it got to a point where that stops. So you have no backbone to stay sober on, right? What are you doing to stay sober? Right, I think people don't understand. It's not like you did it. Now you're you coast on that. You have to con- consistently. It's like gravity. No, it's even even when I was sober, I wasn't sponsoring people, helping out the newcomer. If you're not helping someone, you're thinking about yourself all day, and when you're thinking about yourself all day, you're just gonna suffer. And if you're not helping the next guy, you listen. You try going to these meetings. You don't hear anything. There's nothing that interests you. It's, it's over. Unless I'm doing something to help someone else out, I'm not gonna get anything. So that's what happened. I'll go to these meetings. I'd be like, check a bo- I'd be like, check in a box again. Same thing as like in yeshiva. It'd be just like that. So that could be your new religion. Yeah, and then the, the thought goes in. It's like, well, what are we doing here? So what's... Um, so, so you said, uh, said to start counting again. So you went to that. So you went to a meeting. Went to a couple of meetings, and also, oh, thank God for going to shul. I mean, I, honestly, there's there's a part of me that believes that if you're from and you have a strong love relation with God, you can overcome anything. It just, you need, but I'm not the one to wake up and say, hey, let's spiritually enhance my life today. I don't wake up like that. So, going to shul is like, Helps can't you saying that. It. Yeah, it does. It really does. It, keep, it does keep me in shock. It's really, I don't know, I'm sure... There comes a time where you need more than that, you know, and you got to grow, or else it all goes away. But yeah. So, all right, so let's close this. So, what, besides for us starting to learn again, what's next for you? Which, by the way, I would love if you brought your cousins into that and we did it in, in memory of your mom. I don't know if you know, I, I don't know if you, knew, when I paid a shiva call to you, I told you that, and one of your cousins, and I'm like, I think we should do this. The and, older one? Uh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And, uh, and I think he'll be on board of your cousins. He would be. He, out of all of them, would be. Yeah. Yeah, because he's kind of like that type of soul. Right. But yeah. Yeah, he's always good like that. Um, but I, if... All right, we'll talk at, offline. So what's next for you? What's... Uh, what's next for me is to grow within Judaism, but not, I don't want to force... I'm just nervous to force anything, but... And, and now what I've realized from our conversation... It's really a lot about the way I act and the way I approach people and the way I 
veer off instead of overcoming the obstacle of feeling vulnerable for half a second and maybe saying to someone, hey, I tried calling you last week. Like, I called the guy I scheduled to learn with and right. be like, hey, you know, what's going on? Oh, you told me about the guy. Right? Yeah, but yeah. instead I just, you know, you know what, forget about him, let's disassociate. But like, what? What's the worst that can happen? He doesn't answer. Right. Okay. And I remember you even telling It's not a bad that. person. Right. I'll answer. It's like one of the nicest people in the world. Right. Uh, yeah, he's probably just busy, you know? Right. He's actually the son of that other nice guy. Yes, exactly. Right. No, but and he is. You wouldn't hurt a fly. He's a water guy at weddings. Right. Yeah. The, right. <laughs> the water guy. I used to be the water guy at weddings. Yeah. I remember you telling me, though, also that at your job, that you felt like you deserved more in a raise at a certain point, and you didn't go in because you weren't invited in. Because what if I get turned down? And what if. And I did, and I got the raise. But yeah, they right. took You the, went in, and you got yeah. the raise. They're like, they're not just going to come to you and say, hey, we're giving you a raise. So if you had, if you had like a, a mantra you could build from your life to say, like if you were, if you were to be invited to someone to say, hey, give these people a message based on what you've learned in life. Be give two messages, three messages, whatever. To get anywhere in life, you have to be vulnerable, uncomfortable, and to grow, you need to be uncomfortable. And it sucks. And <laughs> it's awful. And I wish I could put it more into action myself. Because I don't, and, and it's kind of why I struggle, and I know that, but I need to do it, and it's just tough. It's hard. The feel, feelings are real. They're real, and you think they're going to last forever, even though they're just in the moment. And if I told you that, I don't know if I've ever told you. Maybe I should tell you more. That that you inspire me, and you inspire me. I look. At, I wish people could see your face. My the press my question. Would you believe that? No, I'm just a guy. I mean, I don't know. I'm just. I was like, why are you interviewing me? That's why. I'm, that's why I felt I had to say this at the end. I'm trying not to tear up so we don't get all emotional. I didn't bring t- t- tissues in here, which I had for previous. Uh, um, I, part of what we're doing here, and what you have helped people, whether you know it or not, God willing, I hope a lot of people listen to this, is that it's not about where you get to. It's about how hard you try to get there. And if anybody's tried hard to get somewhere in life, you know, it, it's it's you. And uh, getting there, getting too shul, Shabbos, tzitzis, kosher, it's all great stuff. But it's not how we're judged at the end of the day. God doesn't look down and he doesn't have those boxes. Those boxes are in our, our own head. His, 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 is, his is the only one that he could see, which is how hard is this guy sh- trying to do, to do more with what I've given him? And... And you've been given a lot, um, a lot of tough things, and uh, it's interesting now that probably the toughest thing you've ever had to deal with with your mom's passing is the one that's actually brought you to the most um, measurable, quote-unquote, success of getting back to shul and starting to... It's the first thing I thought. It was like a relief, honestly. Well, at first I said, F you. And then... Uh, and then I said, you know what? This is an opportunity. Thank you. You said those words? Yeah. I said, now, nah, like, this might work out. Like, everything. Everything. Right. I should have said, delete that again. Mark it, delete it twice. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. So I'm okay. grateful in a way. That's all. Well, we're grateful for having you. And we appreciate it. I'm saying we because I'm hoping a lot of other people are going to feel this way, and I know that they will. 
and I love you for it. And uh, we're gonna have to check back. We're gonna do a check back in in like a year after the wedding and after and after you know we finish. I'll be wearing a collared shirt <laughs> and pink pants. God willing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>